The Cincinnati Reds and Philadelphia Phillies have finished up their seven games that they were going to play all season long. Yeah, it's April, and the Reds and the Phillies don't play each other anymore the rest of this year. But we know that the Phillies won four and the Reds won three, which honestly, and I'm going to tip my hand a little bit, I was kind of happy about how the Reds performed in this series. We're going to get into exactly why. Plus, I know that the Phillies moving forward are going to be about a lot better than what we have seen in these seven games and kind of to this point in the season, although Connor just shrugged, by the way, I'm Jeff Carr. I'm a co-host for lockdown reds. Next to me is Steven Offenbaker. He is uh, the other co-host for lockdown reds and Connor Thomas from locked on Phillies joins us here today. So let's start with that. Connor, what was your overall feeling for this series? Uh, I still listen. I, I don't know. And it sucks being, it doesn't suck. I enjoy doing this, but being someone who's supposed to be in the know about this Phillies team is tough right now because I still can't make heads or tails of what they are. Right. They'll come out and they'll put up what they did today and score nine in the first inning and end up winning a game 14 like runs, 15 runs they put up against the Marlins the series before. And then they'll come out and they'll look like they have no business playing Major League Baseball. So that's why I shrug when you're like, I expect the Phillies to play better baseball. I, I do. I agree with you. But to this point, they're still very much a coin flip every time they go out. And consistency is something that this team is really lacking that maybe they'll pick up from today's performance. Meanwhile, that was my takeaway. Yeah, that was that was my takeaway, too, from the Phillies. I think the the lineup, the lineup has this ceiling, this potential, and they're just not consistently reaching it. Uh, the pitching may be a bit more of a question. I'm not sure. Yes. We, we want to talk to you about that a little bit. But from from an offensive standpoint, from the position players, uh, it just feels to me like they haven't quite found their groove. But I, I I'm glad we're done playing you because I think you guys could score a lot of runs when uh, things heat up and the balls start flying around Major League Baseball. Yeah, listen, you saw it today. You saw it with the Marlins series before we came to Cincinnati and putting nine earned on Sandy Alcantara. Uh, this team has a really, really high ceiling when they get healthy and get everybody back. And you're right, Steve. Uh, pitching is probably the bigger question mark than the lineup because you know these guys are going to hit. And when the weather clears and it's a nice day like it is today, ball's going to fly better. That'll all help. But some of the starts you're getting from guys like Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nolan, Nola, fine today, but like the starts so far this year have not been typical of the top end of rotation guys. And the back end, because of injuries, like we haven't seen Ranger Suarez yet. Andrew Painter never made a debut. He will later. You're throwing relievers in the back end of the rotation, and that's not something that's sustainable. So those top guys are really going to have to start consistently going into the sixth or seventh inning if you're going to win baseball games regularly. And I think that's why the Reds did so well in this series is because right now it feels like the Reds lineup seems to be on a, a, a certain kind of role. Now, not everybody is hitting very well. There's still a couple of guys that we want to get, you know, figure out if they can uh, get going. But like, I mean, Will Myers broke out on Saturday's game and, and you've Maybe. had a lot of great performances from the top four hitters in this lineup. So I think they were just able to take advantage of, uh, of a hurt pitching staff for the Phillies, but also more so than that. I was confused on Saturday because Matt Strom. So is, is he like an opener at this point, just because they're kind of like, we don't really no. have any other plan or no, he was the first pitcher to throw into the sixth inning for the Phillies in a start this year. He's actually been really good as a starter. He hadn't allowed a run uh, until he saw you guys that time uh, right. in his, his start so far. So, no, he's not supposed to be an opener. Going out after two and two-thirds innings pitched will kind of make it seem like that. But, no, he's in the starting rotation as a starter. He just didn't 
it, it was one of those games where you have a guy who in Strom is not good enough to start at this level. He's brought in to be a bullpen piece and he's forced into that role. Uh, hadn't really been a starter since 2019 with San Diego. Uh, and that's why he's in the rotation now. But you had two really good starts from him. And then you have the little like backtrack. Oh, right. This is why this guy is in the bullpen and not a starter with that one. So not an opener, just an opening performance that wasn't very good. Not good enough to uh, start at the major league level makes me uh, cringe, Steve. Yeah. There's, there's... Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of that going on. Yeah. <laughs> too too much. Uh, we, we we talk a lot about this in depth. We have an extra episode that's coming out today as well. Uh, but but when we look at kind of how this series performed, I. I Honestly, thought that the Reds did a little bit better. I thought it was going to be uh, two and five rather than three and four. But I think getting out of this series, going three and four, for me, Steve, at least feels all right. What were your expectations relative to how they performed? You know, I just didn't want to get swept uh, in yeah. either of the series. And, and I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, as I mentioned, that, that Philadelphia lineup is is pretty dangerous uh, all the way around. So I, I just didn't want to get swept. Uh, and then when we got into the game's actual, you know, I feel like, you know, what we played seven times and we won three of them. Uh, you know, that one that got away in Philadelphia is going to bother me a little bit because, you know, it, we should have been able to, to flip that number a little bit. We should we should have won four games in this series. And and that just adds to the excitement I've been talking about, Jeff, and and that we'll talk about in our, our bonus episode. The excitement I have about watching our young lineup and our position players, um, as bad as the pitching has been at times, Connor, the this this lineup is just so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Guys like Jonathan Indian, Spencer Steer, and Tyler Stevenson. It's just fun, even when the pitchers are out there looking like the Bugs Bunny. Jeff, of just <laughs> boom, boom, boom. The, the lineup is fun to watch. Yeah, listen, my biggest impression from playing you guys as many times as we have already and seeing you guys for potentially the last time, we'll see what happens come end of the season and if anything, uh, anything crazy happens there. Well, hey, listen, from where the Phillies are at right now, anything's possible. So if I think we have a chance, I got it in fairness. I think you guys have, have a look at some point. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed with the lineup and the offensive capabilities that you have with the Cincinnati Reds. Like, when this team gets more settled in and some of the guys who are hitting well right now, but they get more settled in at the major league level and can consistently put together uh, approaches like you saw in some of these games of the series, got some players there. And this is uh, – it's a fun team to watch. Uh, I'd rather not see Will Myers for the rest of forever after Saturday, but – you guys can hit the ball, and with the way Great American Ballpark plays, you got to look to make a little bit of noise. It should be a more fun season than last season, and it was a really competitive series it against would, a strong Phillies team. It would be hard for it to be a less fun <laughs> season than last year. I mean, yeah. I don't know what would have to go wrong, but a lot would have to go wrong. Last <laughs> yeah. season was just god-awful. No, I, I, I don't want to know what would make that worse, but I'll tell you this. There was a guy in the Phillies lineup, and I know we're talking about the lineup kind of coming along and, and things like that. There was a guy in the Phillies lineup who impressed me. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up here in just a moment. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to let you know about one of our sponsors here for today's episode, and that is the Ultimate GM app. And you got to check it out today. You can go to probaseballgm.com. Or if you're watching here on YouTube, you can click the nice little QR code that's in the bottom right hand corner of the screen. 
Uh, we've been playing this game. It's been so addicting. Uh, Connor, my, my team is the Fairfield Hoagies. What's, what's your team's name? I've got – it's actually – it's funny because it's the Philly Reds. So that's one of the stock teams in there. So we got a little crossover <laughs> in the crossover. You got a crossover in the crossover. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This has just gone Christopher Nolan on us. But you can go Christopher Nolan on the general manager game by checking out the Ultimate GM app. If you ever thought you could build a better team than the Phillies or the Reds, you might have a easier time building a better team than the Reds or the Phillies. Uh, but you should check out the Ultimate GM app. And Locked On Reds and Locked On Phillies listeners can get a 100% free boost today on your franchise. Just go to the game store and type in the promo code LOCKED ON and uh, make sure you check this game out. It puts you in the driver's seat of taking a team from the bottom to the top. That's the ultimate GM app. Get it today at probaseballgm.com. Uh, click this here QR code in the bottom right or go to the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. And what we're talking about today is wrapping up this series with the Reds and the Phillies, the regular season series that is. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's a postseason series. Never maybe, say never. Never. Um, never I would say be, never. That's right. Never say never. Exactly. There's a non-zero chance of that happening. I, I don't want to know what the actual number is, but yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us here again. Uh, this is locked on reds and locked on Phillies. Make sure you follow us in between episodes. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's and for Phillies takes, you can get, uh, get Connor's thoughts at Connor Thomas, nine, seven, five. He is down at the stadiums for home games and stuff like that. Have you, have you ever gotten to any away games and gotten credential there? I haven't. No, it's so hard to travel with the day-to-day -day morning sports talk and sure. having to be in to actually get on the road for trips. Uh, eventually, I do want to make one of those trips out and see ballparks, but now not not as often on the roads. So but I watch all watch all the games, of course, uh, even the ones that end up with Josh Harrison pitching. Well, one of these days, maybe we'll get uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, I got to see Josh Harrison pitch in person. I was at the Saturday game. Um, that was insane. And, and I know that we're going to get to some interesting performances, but there was somebody on the Phillies that just impressed me in every game that I watched of this series, and that was Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott really looks like he's figuring it out. It, it looks like that he just knows the leadoff spot. This is like old hat for him and i know it's not old hat for him i know that this is not like his typical like he's not been here very long but what he has shown to start this season makes me believe that he's the kind of guy who can be a catalyst for a lineup full of former and future all-stars and i know that's got to have you pumped oh totally and the funny thing is is i looked up and down this lineup to start and you go down it and you say Okay, you got all these all-stars, and then you have some young players who you've seen a lot from from a couple years. Like, I think Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm was an NL Rookie of the Year candidate, and he's played multiple years at the Major League level. And I keep looking, and the one guy I kept coming back to in the offseason was Bryson Stott. He had some offensive struggles near the end of last year. He's heading into his second year as that sophomore slump a real thing. And I said, he's a huge question mark in this lineup, maybe the biggest one as to whether or not he'll be able to contribute. And then he goes ahead and he starts off getting hits in every single one of the Phillies games so far, sitting over 400. He's had an incredible start. I don't know if the credit goes fully to him because Kevin Long, the hitting coach here in Philadelphia, has had a lot of uh, glowing reviews from players and from places he's been in the past. And it seems like he's working on a lot of these guys' swings. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But man, what that kid is doing at the plate right now 
is absolutely unbelievable. I wonder where the streak ends. Can he make it to 20 games? Can he make it to 30? Can he start to get into that Jimmy Rollins territory for uh, the longest one in uh, Philadelphia Phillies history? Uh, there's nothing he's not capable of right now, and the at-bats he's putting together are just – it's a joy to watch. Yeah, and I know uh kind of mentioned like hitting coaches and the way that they're working with the lineup. I know, Steve, we, we've talked about this a little bit. It just seems like all through this series, all through the series in Philadelphia, the Reds' mantra of just, just taking pitches and, and working through every single pitch has continued to play through. Well, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Jeff, and I think, you know, we, we should continue to talk about it uh, as long as it remains true. Uh, we never hesitate to to bag on a hitting coach when a team is not performing and we never talk about the guy when the team is performing and just the change in philosophy uh, that the Reds have demonstrated this year over last year and years prior of taking pitches it's clearly being instilled from the coaching staff because every single hitter is doing it the same way they're working counts they're being patient and and the results speak for themselves it's it's truly uh f- you know like i said earlier it's fun to watch and i would be interested to hear from connor because we talk uh, all the time about this jeff and and uh, we try not to be homers or bias but you know we we're emotionally invested in this team you and i i'd be interested to hear from connor who do you think is the most dangerous reds hitter it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about the opportunity to leave the ballpark as opposed to average, I still th- uh, see Jonathan India and the approach he has at the plate at the top of that lineup most days. And I say, okay, that's the guy that if you're not going to let someone go like four for five, he's kind of the guy that seems to be the fire starter for this team, that if he can get things going, he's definitely a catalyst for that. I really liked what I saw from Tyler Stevenson in both series. I think he's got an opportunity to be a really nice hitter at the major league level. Uh, and his approach also looked good as well. So, I mean, honestly, those top three where you're looking at Steer and Stevenson and um, and India, who I just mentioned, uh, that's where – and, of course, we saw the Will Myers power on display. But one game having a nice day, I, I mean, I'm not trying to discount Will Myers' ability. I'm just saying two home runs in a game doesn't do the same for me as the approach I saw from those top guys in the lineup. And, and that's what really stood out about why the Reds could be difficult to play against. If you can get a team started fast, like the Reds can with those top three, get out to an early lead and kind of put a team behind the eight ball or jump a starting pitcher early, that can make teams that may be better on paper very uncomfortable playing against the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I, I I really I wonder because uh, this is something that I know that Steve has been the most optimistic about, but I I, I kind of wonder about Tyler Stevenson's power. Like we've we've talked about him before. It'll and, come. Stop and, 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 it. And Steve has said uh, thirty to forty home runs. I don't know if that's what we're talking about here. Now he could go on a hot streak and then change my mind completely, but he still, he, he, he reminds me of just a timely hitter, a guy more like, like a Sean Casey or something like that. He's going to drop in. He's going to hit that RBI when you need that RBI, but it might not necessarily be with the big fly. Like all the chicks dig. Yeah. Right. So sort of like, you know, Nick Castellanos. Now I know his last year before he left, he, had the big year where he hit a bunch of home runs, was an all-star. But he, over his career, was more naturally a doubles hitter, a guy that's going to find gaps and is going to come through in big spots. Now, I'm more in Steve's camp. I think Stevenson does 
exhibit a swing path that creates a little bit of pop. And I don't know about 30 to 40. Uh, obviously, I'm not as ingrained in following the Reds as you guys are, not even close. But what I saw in the series with how he attacks the baseball, I, I could see those type of mechanics from him where he's got a swing that's going to create balls leaving the ballpark at some point. No, I definitely appreciate that point of view because, I mean, that was something I was looking at with some different players. And I, I remember the series that Philadelphia played in Cincinnati in 2022 and Garrett Stubbs really sort of showed out in that. And I know he didn't do yeah. a whole lot in this series. He kind of played in Saturday's game and was uh, didn't really do any damage or anything like that. But Stott was the guy that kind of stood out for me. Steve, who was the guy that when you watch this series, when you think about this series, the Phillies guy that's going to be on the forefront of your mind? You know, every time I, I, I would tell you, every time I watch the Philadelphia Phillies, the guy that I watch the most, the player that I lock in on is JT Romuto. I, mm. I love that dude. I, I love what he does behind the plate and working with the pitchers. I love what he does offensively in the batter's box. Uh, he's, he's probably the one I have the most fun watching. And then just because of the connection to Cincinnati, you know, I always kind of pay attention to whatever Cassianos is doing as well. But for, for a non-red connected player, for me, it's always JT Romuto. Yeah, he's had a bit of a rough start to the year. Him and Kyle Schwarber both have been pretty bad with runners in scoring position. I know they put it together a little bit in this series, but those are the guys. There's so many times for the Phillies early on in this season where it'll be like stop batting leadoff at Turner batting second, and you have like back-to-back -back singles to start, and then the next guys will go down one, two, three without scraping a run across. And that's been largely on uh, Romuto, who you were just talking about, and Schwarber. But just the way you talk about him, Steve, you can tell the weight that player carries around baseball. You know JT Romuto is going to hit when everything's all said and done. And Kyle Schwarber led the National League in homers last year, so I don't have long-term concerns about them. Uh, you know how talented the players they are. They're just two guys that if this team's going to do what they did today and not what they did on Saturday, uh, they're going to have to more consistently come through in big spots. I'm not really sure there's all much, all that much of a debate, but uh, best catcher in baseball, I think. Uh, he'll he'll come around. Yeah. He's got the He's got my sure. vote. And, hey, one once upon a time, the Marlins had to choose. Well, okay, the Marlins didn't choose because apparently the Reds chose for them, but – uh, there was a possibility that Nick Senzel would have been in a trade offer for uh, JT Realmuto and the Reds. Can we still no. do that? What? Can we still do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we go? <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, offers on the table. Uh, but, uh, I'll tell you what. I do want to ask you about some trades here coming up because moving forward, I mean, both of our teams are under 500. And one of us has World Series aspirations. The other wishes we did, but maybe not necessarily quite this year in Cincinnati. But what needs to change? That's what we're going to focus on coming up here in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to tell you about one of our other sponsors today, and that is So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. I had a team this weekend that included a couple of reds. I might've been a little bit of a homer, but I had TJ Friedel in there. He didn't quite pop off as much as I thought he was going to, but still you can get a nice value on a couple of different reds players that are still on the come up and not necessarily widely known. Because what you do is you go to SoRare.com, you create your free account, SoRare.com slash locked on, um, and you uh, create your 
team because you can draft them using like a budget of points where it's you pick whoever you want. It's not necessarily you are limited to certain players and you get, you know, somebody else picks the other player for you. This is something where you budget your team accordingly. So I've got Hunter Green on there. I did pick Aaron Nola, although I didn't start him because I was like, no, I want him. Just I'm not going to start him against my team. That's not something I want to do, you know. But the whole key is to win the uh, contests. And as you start out with your free contest, you can win some prizes like rare cards from so rare. And as you level up in your different contests with your extra rare cards, you can win even more prizes like jerseys. You can get tickets. You can even get VIP experiences where you get to meet MLB stars. So rare puts you in control of your fantasy experience. So head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's S O R A R E dot com slash locked on and draft your team of free, free player cards today. Set your lineup and start competing. That's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. All right. As we move forward, uh, the Reds got a home series against the Tampa Bay Rays. You might've heard of them. They're, they're pretty, uh, pretty stacked. Uh, they, they've had a nice start to the season. So that's going to be a test for them. And then the Phillies are, are they heading out on the road still heading to Chicago to play the white Sox? Yes. Hey, it's supposed to snow in Chicago this week. Oh, just no. so you know, <laughs> hopefully not on the South side. Maybe it'll stay North and just hit Wrigley. <laughs> stay over, stay over at Wrigley. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jeff, before we get into the trade talk, there was a question that I had for Connor. I would love to yeah, get his yeah. thoughts on this. Uh, there was a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth and wringing of hands when Nick Cassianos was allowed to get away from Cincinnati. And the, the fact that the front office never even really called him with an offer. And, you know, ultimately he ends up in Philadelphia. Knowing what you know now, seeing what you've seen so far, how do you evaluate that signing of Nick Castellanos in Philadelphia? Uh, the the value of his contract versus what he's brought to the team. Uh, break that down for me a little bit. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting scenario. So I view this a different way that I think uh, most fans do when you see the signing and the amount of money they signs where you're looking at a $100 million contract plus. Like So that's an amount of money that fancy and say, okay, we're signing a superstar. And he was coming off a, a great year. And then last year, he didn't have an exceptional year for the Philadelphia Phillies. He had some time to settle in. And he's always, when he goes new places, if you look over the course of his career, has a little bit of a down year the first year as he gets settled, and then he really opens it up as he gets more comfortable with the team. So I think he's really been able to see him do that this year. And I look at team success. Last year, sure. Can you say Nick Castellanos was underwhelming? Yeah. Did the Philadelphia Phillies go to the World Series? Also, yes. So when you have a piece that's playing every day and you can go to the World Series with that guy, I'd say they're good enough. And this year you've seen him bounce back. But there's a guy, we're going to do a little sports crossover real quick. Uh, Tobias Harris, who plays for the Sixers, he has one of those super max, like biggest deals you can get in the NBA. And he's like the fourth option. And everyone looks at the contract and says, you're paying this guy all this money. He's got to produce like that. Uh, that's not the case. And Cassianos is similar. People are going to see the dollar amount and say, you got to hit 35 home runs and a billion doubles and be this great guy in the middle of the lineup for us to value that at that contract. But he's not going to be the guy he was the last year in Cincinnati where he's an all-star. That's not typical of him. 
but he's going to be a contributor in the middle of the lineup. He's going to hit doubles. He's going to find gaps like we were talking about with Tyler Stevenson and kind of that guy that just is more timely hitting. And once the fans accept that as the expectation of Nick Castellanos and not look at the dollar amount, he's going to be a really, really nice piece to have here in Philadelphia. You can already see it early this year. He was, he's going to be the one for me for a while of what might've been. I would love to have, I mean, the Reds were never, listen, the Reds were never going to give him that kind of money. And at the end of the day, he has to maximize his value while he can make the dollars. I get it. But if he was still here and he was on this team last year and this year and maybe a couple more years as all of this young time, could you imagine him in the middle of this lineup with guys like Ellie De La Cruz and Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India and Spencer Steer? Can can you imagine? Oh, man, he's he's going to be the one that got away in my mind for a while with the way that he could have continued to perform at Great American Ballpark with all of this young talent. There's definitely an alternate universe where a billionaire buys the Reds after the 2021 season and signs him to a long-term contract as well as, you know, a couple other guys. And and then the lineup is set for multiple years to come because, yeah, I mean, he still has a couple of years left. And I think a lot of people get hung up on these contracts and just say, well, you know, at the end of the contract, what's it going to be like? What's he going to do in the first three years? And the other part of that is, what was the alternative? Like, was he blocking anybody? Was there a bunch of other people on the market that were cheaper than him? No, you, you, you paid to get the best right fielder on the market. And that's what you did in that moment. And you can't wait like the reds or the, the Phillies could not have waited on somebody else to come along. And, and that's right. probably where we kind of turn the, the discussion because I think both teams moving forward have similar goals and that they need to fix a part of their pitching staff. Uh, the Phillies probably more so on the rotation, the reds, a little bit of the rotation, mostly the bullpen. But when you look at what the Phillies need to do, does that include, and is it a realistic expectation to see them trading for a starter? I'd be very surprised if they traded for a starter because you look at where their rotation is now. Your top three guys who are available, and they're not technically in that order right now because of weird stuff uh, first couple weeks, but Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Taiwan Walker, those guys are all above average major league starters. Two of them well above average when they're at their best. And then you have Ranger Suarez who's going to come back who is also an above average major league starter. Once he's healthy, you're good. And Andrew Painter is still that guy waiting in the wings. That He's got a UCL sprain right now and he's rehabbing from that uh the point that i'm kind of looking at for him is right around in june which i know it's a ways off and you've got to take care of business now but he's he was the top pitching prospect in baseball coming into this season so it'd be weird to make a trade and give up assets when you have two guys that you believe could be plus major league pitchers to round out their rotation at some point they're just not here right now so i wouldn't see a trade for a starter coming for the phillies anytime soon Meanwhile, when it comes to the bullpen, Steve, I know that the Reds aren't going to go out and make a trade for the bullpen, but maybe part of the plan that they had back in the offseason when they didn't sign anybody and they were like, no, 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 everybody's going to come back from injury. Maybe that starts to help. Yeah, and uh, we're going to go into this in a lot more detail on our bonus episode that's going to come out a little bit later today, Jeff. But for me, um, we know that there's a little bit of help on the way for the Reds bullpen um, this week, Uh, maybe as early as today. Lucas Sims uh, has pitched four consecutive scoreless outings on his rehab assignment down in Louisville. That's a big help on the back end of this bullpen because uh, Alexis Diaz cannot pitch every single day for two <laughs> innings or three innings. You know, he's going to be done by June if they don't bring him some help. 
uh, that helps. Uh, my my thought process with this Reds bullpen uh, thus far is that the Reds organization has asked pitchers to do things they're not suited to do. We're asking middle innings guys to be back end of the bullpen kind of guys and, and pitch in those high leverage situations where they don't excel. That has to stop. We're asking relief pitchers uh, to pitch in the rotation someplace they really should not be, and that is showing, and that needs to stop. So uh, the Reds lineup finds me getting a little bit excited about their ability to be maybe not a division winner, maybe not even a wild card winner, but a disruptor, a team that can at least keep the rest of the National League Central honest and make them work for it, right? Uh, this lineup has the potential to do that right now. We keep talking about 2024, but they could do that right now. The Reds need to fix the pitching. And going back to the old hashtags, get the pitching, fix the, fix the pitching. God. <laughs> but if they just did that, this team could be not only – continue to be fun to watch like i've been saying but they could disrupt things and they could make other teams have to trade away assets and respond they could make other teams have to do things they wouldn't necessarily do if they can just coast to victory and i think that's where the reds are right now and they i hope the reds front office embraces this philosophy of you know not going all in to try and go out and get pitching and trade for people but let's just put guys back into the best situations to be successful and disrupt things a little bit let's let's go out there and 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 be a pain in everybody's ass yeah that, that's going to be the key here and, and and really the the entire goal for 2023 for this reds team was let's figure out what we have for the future and i think we're starting to figure out a, a number of key positions so how can they go out this next offseason and support those guys because next offseason they have no guaranteed money on the books right now they're going to have lots of room to work with hopefully hopefully there's there's no other shenanigans that we can't predict just yet of you know certain people making excuses we won't go into any names <clears throat> SOB. Uh, but uh, when it comes to son of Bob, uh, but when it comes to where the reds are in relation to where they want to end this season, we want to see progress with a couple of key players. And honestly, that's really kind of where that ends and, and, and disruption is, is going to be key and fun, but it's not necessarily going to be a goal for the reds to win this division, which probably has some feathers ruffled, but you got to set the expectation, right? This is where this reds team is. They're going to get there. It's probably not going to be this year. And on that disappointment, it's time to end. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on this crossover edition as we wrap up the Reds and Phillies series for this 2023 regular season. Moving forward, we're going to have our eye on the Phillies all the time. I mean, most Reds fans still love Nick Castellanos unconventionally. I did randomly hear a couple of people chanting traitor whenever he walked up to the plate the other day. And I'm like, do you guys like know? How that went? Do you know that? Never mind. Uh, that's that's really where we're going to keep our eye on. Connor, thanks for joining us, and thanks for having uh, me, guys. Yeah, absolutely.